What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchipudi and Iowa the Iceman Graham. Before we get any started, Benjamin, I just want to let all our viewers know at home or across the globe, we will have a uniform schedule now. Every Friday at 7.45 to 8 o'clock, we'll be uploading a new weekly video, so you're going to get that consistent knowledge and wisdom from two sports aficionados. Ben, I'm excited that we're going to this format now. And we're going to be branching off to TikTok and YouTube shortly once we get our equipment situated. And we're going to go real professional, Benjamin. Yes, sir. Indeed we are. And be sure, obviously, if you're not um, following the podcast, it's the Sports Inventory on Spotify. So make sure you follow. Absolutely. Benjamin, coming off the week, we made our predictions for the wild card. And let's just say a lot of the surprises. Let's put it that way. A lot of surprises, but I feel like I feel like generally... With the winners, I feel like we did pretty well on, but the way it happened, yeah, yeah, it's I agree. But let's just let's just get um one that we we both got this one correct out of the way. We we knew the 49ers were going to hand it to Seattle, but credit to the credit to them, they were in the game for a good two and a half quarters. They were actually up seventeen to sixteen at halftime, and Geno played a solid game. But there's always you can't really contain the 49ers for a whole game. Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, the whole squad just they just went off. Tyler, um, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, what I, one thing I've learned from the 49ers for the past couple of years at this point is something about the Bay Area teams, whether that's the Warriors or San Fran or even the Giants over there. These are teams that love making great adjustments. They don't really come out swinging, but like the 49ers and the Warriors and the Giants, they always make adjustments later in the game. The Warriors are obviously the most dominant third quarter team of all time we know the record that the 49ers have of keeping their opponents scoreless for the second half for the majority of the season it's just something in the nature over there in the bay area that they just know how to make the right adjustments and whether their game plan is working or not they always are fixing it and it's all about a momentum game in football right obviously the seahawks had some sort of momentum they were doing their thing and it all started with the bosa strip sack and brock purdy just having those drives of checkdowns and plays and christian mccaffrey just looking like his old self and this team oh boy am i scared for them you know this sunday but this team is extremely dangerous but they do have their woes they they need a slow start and not to prelude to my prediction, but if Dallas can come out swinging early and somehow contain them, because you can't stop them, contain them in the second half, I think it'll be a really interesting game. But you and I both had this game ending how it did end, you know, a, a drastic margin. The 49ers are too dominant. The Seahawks, I don't think, should really be here, but have proved a lot of people wrong and are going to have an interesting future going ahead. They're going to have a bright future. They've had, in my opinion, a top two draft class. Um, Absolutely. This Absolutely. past season, Geno Smith. Probably going to win comeback player of the year um, just because of his story. You know, he's a backup his whole career. He he started in Seattle the whole year, won the job from Drew Locke, and had a Pro Bowl season. But for San Francisco, Brock Purdy, BCB, he uh, had himself a game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A, a game that got recognized by LeBron James himself. He ended up finishing 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, and also a rushing touchdown on the ground. So, an amazing pl- playoff debut for uh, Mr. Brock Purdy. And and even if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, Kyle Shanahan said Purdy's going to start for the playoffs. But I'm not going to give too much insight to the Dallas game yet, but this is going to be a, his – I think this could be his first real test against one of the best defenses in football. So we're going to have to see how he does there. Absolutely. All right, so the next game, Saturday night football, Jaguars and Chargers. Oh, boy, was this a good one. <laughs> absolutely this one i'm sure there were a lot of chargers fans and maybe even jaguars fans who turned off the game right before halftime when the chargers went up 27 and nothing and it, it just looked bad from the jump for jacksonville to start trevor lawrence threw a pick on his second th- on a second pass leading to a charger touchdown he had four picks in the first half three of which were by um asante samuel jr and it looked like the Chargers were going to run away with this one. I had the Chargers winning this one, but in a close one. But I think it's safe to say no one expected the Chargers to play this well and from Brandon Staley to actually outcoach Peterson for a half. For a half is the key. We all know yeah. what happened in the second half, don't we, Tyler? Absolutely. I, 
as I recall, and you reminded me gratefully, Ben, thank you, that I had the Jaguars winning this game by a close margin in the 30s. And seeing this game, I felt like Nostradamus himself. The thing about this game, first of all, is a little side note. Asante Samuel Jr. has three interceptions in his playoff career, and he just got his first playoff start. His father, Asante Samuel Sr., has seven playoff career interceptions. So he's already <laughs> inching in on his father's legacy in the playoffs. But that's a cool little sidebar fact for you to, uh, for today. But it was really interesting, this game, because we all agreed. You know, if you're a team, let's say your quarterback throws four picks, you don't you're not seeing the end of that tunnel. Like, there's no way you win that game causing that many turnovers and just looking like absolute garbage. But it's also bad when your team for a half only scores a field goal. Of course, I'm alluding to the Chargers. And you give the Jaguars the necessary jump it needed to just be like, damn, my defense is getting stops. Let me score. Let me score. And it just happened that way. And I know one thing is for sure, the Chargers head coaching position and several of their coordinators are going to be up for grabs. Obviously, Sean Pagan may be looking over there, you know, cool little breezy area over there. But I saw this as an absolute chess match between the coaches and Doug Peterson might have blundered in the first half, but he came out with beautiful, brilliant moves looking like Magnus Carlson. And with the checkmate, the checkmate play of that entire game was the fourth and one play to Travis Etienne for that big yardage. That, that was a beautiful play call. Cemented it. Run up the middle there, but a little um run to the outside. Just yeah. applause to Peterson for that play call. And shout out to Trevor Lawrence. I I'm not the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan for obvious reasons, but yes. shout out to T Law this game. After throwing four picks in the first half, people thought he was cooked. Oh, overrated. Bust of a number one pick. But he showed why he is was that is that prospect. The one that he was commanded at Clemson being compared to Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and John Elway. Big, big comparisons. He went off in the second half with with uh, three touchdown passes, and he just shredded that uh, Chargers um, defense. And the thing is, the Chargers didn't, they didn't even play that horrible in the second half. I'm going to say that right now. They, like, they, were, they were able to move the ball, but it's just when they got to midfield, they just took a sack or an incompletion and they just had to punt and Jacksonville just still score touchdowns. And that's on the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who thank God is not the coach of this team anymore. Now, Justin Herbert can air the ball out and not become a check down uh, quarterback, but shout out to Duval. They deserve, Duval. they've been bad for a long time and this team deserves the success it needs. And absolutely, absolutely. They're gonna have a, and it's gonna be a dogfight up in, um, in Kansas City tomorrow. Absolutely, I just think that Doug Peterson, his his hiring, it's not necessarily coach of the year worthy. I give that to Brian DeBall, which we'll we'll get to shortly. But, um, it's an awesome hire for the Jaguars, and as we know, Jacksonville Jaguars is somewhat of a poverty franchise, constantly neglected, lowest viewership in the league in the NFL, and one of the lowest viewerships in all of American sports. But this is a glimpse of hope for everybody in Jacksonville, everybody in Duval County, and all the players that so happened to sign in Jacksonville. We all counted out Christian Kirk. He's like, oh my God, he's a wide receiver two, getting wide receiver one money. And Trevor Lawrence is cooked and baked and he's kind of mid. But all these guys shut everybody up. But their biggest test that they're going to have for a while is going to be coming very, very soon. Against possibly the best team in football. Absolutely, Ben. And we're going to have to see if uh, this isn't, it's not no charges. This is a professionally uh, well-coached Kansas City team. So see what happens tomorrow. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to the Sunday slate of games. The first one, one that I'm sure everyone who watches football thought was going to be an absolute blood in the favor of the Buffalo Bills. But Miami... <laughs> Y'all kept it close this game for the whole game. And I'm going to say they outplayed Buffalo. I w- I'm going to say they outplayed Buffalo, but they were outcoached by Buffalo. Let me explain right here. So they got off to Miami got off to a slow start, as expected with Skylar Thompson. He started off one of eight um, with one pick, and Buffalo got to a 14 0 lead at halftime. But Miami's defense capitalized on um, all the. Um, mistakes that Buffalo made. Josh Allen threw two picks and he fumbled once and that was returned for a touchdown. And Miami, they were able to go 
punch for punch and blow for blow of Buffalo. And the thing that really um, set the game apart for both these teams was the coaching. Mike McDaniel, I think he lost this game for Miami. The clock management was absolutely horrible. On um, at the end of the game, there was there was a third and six, and they they thought they converted, which is why they took their time. But it actually turned out to be fourth and one, which um ruined the game for Miami and ultimately lost the game for them. But this is this is the bright sign in Miami competing with their third string quarterback against a top three quarterback and one of the hardest places to play in the playoffs. Hats off to Miami. Absolutely hats off to Miami. I just think, before I get into any of the details of this game in particular, this game and, you know, the future game we'll be talking about, Bengals and Ravens, and every game, basically, this entire playoffs, it shows that all these teams are good. And they can also bleed. What I mean by that is they don't look invincible. They don't look unbeatable. They don't look like the Golden State Warriors in 2017. All of these teams have their flaws and foes and weaknesses, and people capitalize. This is the NFL. This is the top 1% of American football, and it shows that a lot of these players can play the game. There was no crazy games like that. I mean, 49ers in the second half, but like first half, they, they had a slow start. And the thing about this Bills and Dolphins games, it shows us a lot of players can came here to play. Bradley Chubb, a guy that they acquired recently, made some big plays for Buffalo. I mean, not Buffalo, against Buffalo. And it also shows that Josh Allen and that squad sometimes can look kind of stale. You know, Josh Allen gets in his head a lot. And I think one thing that they're missing, a lot of these little simple mental mistakes, is the ball. The ball used to be the OC in Buffalo. And when he was, the ball was the OC for Josh Allen and made him into an MVP candidate. Ever since the ball's departure, some of the reads aren't there. Turnovers are rampant. um, And it's just silly little plays like that. And I think they kind of have to fix a little bit of their decision-making, whether it's coaching or in the offensive scheme. But Miami came to play, and the only thing that killed them was the clock management of Skylar Thompson's inexperience, even though he did have somewhat of a game, and some of Mike McDaniel's questionable calls. And it was really interesting because on that last drive for Miami, Tyree kills open uh, over the middle for a first down, and Skylar Thompson is just fixated on his first read, which was Mike Jusecki. And it's like... You know, you, that's yeah, where yeah. coaching really comes into play, right? It's like when you have your seventh round, mind you, drafted quarterback, third string guy, because obviously two and Teddy Bridgewater battling with the concussions, you have to coach him as much as possible because that's not your guy. It's not even your second guy. And I'm a big fan of Skylar Thompson. It's just Mike McDaniel should have had more control of the situation. It's not Tua. You're not on the same basis as him. But this is great experience for Skylar Thompson. Maybe he can have a growing moment and go elsewhere. Um, but this Miami squad is going to look either really different coming this offseason or exactly the same because, as we know, Miami, Miami's always a shifting tide. A lot of things are changing, and this loss might, you know, hit the owner a certain way, and we could see a, a very different Miami roster. But good on Miami for keeping it close, and this Buffalo squad is going to have a chip on their shoulder now going into the divisional round. I'm going to say this about uh, both teams. Uh, Miami, Skylar Thompson... Obviously, didn't play the perfect game. He threw two interceptions, but his receivers didn't give him a lot of help. Jalen Waddle, in particular. I don't know if you were watching the whole game, Tyler, but a bit of a ghost. A bit of a ghost. Waddle dropped at least three or four balls that would have changed the game for Miami. It would have at least put three points on the board for them. Absolutely. But, and that's not on the quarterback's fault. Dropped it right in the bucket. Waddle just couldn't hold on to it. Lights, maybe, maybe the lights were too bright. Playoff jitters. Who knows? But it's got to change. That's got to change for uh, Miami next year. To, and from Buffalo. To. Um, I, you nailed on the head with um, Brian Dable coaching um, Josh Allen the last few years. It's just not the same with Ken Dorsey, and maybe that's Josh Allen's reckless style of play. You know, he loves to take chances. He has yeah, he's kind of a gunslinger. The, yeah, he's probably got the biggest arm in the league. He can throw ninety yards on a rope, and but, I expect that from him. Yeah, yeah, but when you have the reckless play style, you're expected to turn the ball over. That ma- that makes that's just how it goes. That's how Brett Favre was, who's the. Yeah. Cr- who leads the NFL in interceptions all time. But if that if the Bills want to go far in the playoffs, that's going to have to change because when you go up against Cincinnati, who they're going to see next week, or um, or the Chiefs, who they might play in the conference championship for the third year in a row, or even Jacksonville, who's got a very underrated defense, those throws aren't going to fly. They got lucky they played a Miami Dolphins defense that is one of the worst in the league. And even then, they were still only able to win by three. So... Buffalo's got a lot of cleaning up to them, but shout out to the win. Did it for Hamlin, and let's see if they can continue that magic. 
Absolutely. All right, moving on to the the last game on the Sunday schedule. Not the last game, the second to last game in the Sunday schedule. The Giants and the Vikings, and shout out to Big Blue, Brian Dable, the greatest fat guy in New York ever since Biggie. <laughs> I love right that. There. This was, I knew, I thought, I knew this was going to be a great game. I did not expect the Giants to actually pull this one out. And Tyler, I know you you go to school in Queens. I'm sure you got a lot of Giants fans uh, riled up about this victory. Absolutely, absolutely. The thing about this game here, Ben, was this is two teams that have a lot to prove. You know, you have the Minnesota Vikings with the 11-3 and of whatever record, um, but they have the negative point differential, and they always take their games to the fourth quarter but have a miraculous record of 11-0 and against one-score games. You have the New York Giants that shouldn't be here. They were called the rebuild. People were going to shop Danny Jones, whatever, and Brian DeBall comes in here and wiggles his his fingers around and becomes an absolute wizard and my coach of the year unanimously. And these are two teams that had a lot to prove, had a lot to do, had a lot to say. And one thing's for sure, a big takeaway is the ball is a wizard and that um, some sort of coaching changes and defensive changes need to come from Minnesota. New York, New York, um, Daniel Jones looked awesome, but the ball kept it simple for him. You know, the, the occasional uh, RPOs and play action was really nice and he was really efficient. And there wasn't one ball he threw that was all for crazy, like uh, overthrown or underthrown. Everything was spot on, um, which is a rare sighting from Daniel Jones. Uh, he's always been this mediocre talent that just gets by. But this game shows that he can hang with the best of them. It's just a matter of can he keep that consistent. Saquon got his touches. It was awesome. And the emergence of Isaiah Hodgins. Shout out to him. You know, out to Isaiah. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, called him down and out, myself included, because he was cut by the Buffalo Bills and, you know, onto the Giants. Like, that's not saying much, but I, it just shows that Buffalo had leaking talent and that uh, the New York Giants came here to play. Um, there was a lot of little m- mental errors, you know, Darius Slay dropping that slant pass, whatever. But New York really looked really good, but that Eagles team is going to be strong. So I we're, we'll get into the pred- prediction soon about that. But Minnesota... They couldn't stop a nosebleed. There was moments where they just looked so predictable um, defensively. Like like the zones were just too obvious and the man coverage was a little too lack- lackadaisical. And there was moments where they just made certain players and certain plays just get more yards than they should have, you know? And Minnesota's defense did not help Kirk Cousins at all, which in my personal opinion, I think Kirk Cousins had an awesome game. And everybody's like, oh my God, that last throw, whatever. I'm sure there was a method to the madness. We can all, you know, criticize a guy from the, the comfort of our own homes and our sectional couches and our living rooms, but he balled his his butt off. And it's it's not his fault that his defense let up 31 points, you know, and he put up several touchdowns and he looked great. But there's going to need a, an overhaul in Minnesota, you know, uh, defensively and coaching-wise. I think the D.C. got to go and the safeties have to improve. I know I love Harrison Smith, but he's getting up there in age and their linebackers are weak. And they don't put any pressure on the quarterback. They had one sack that whole game. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, what are you doing? And it's going to be a really interesting offseason for Minnesota. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, uh, whether it's to, in, to improve their roster or explode it. But congratulations to the Giants. Like, way to do it. And I'm also happy that our division, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, are successful because when that division's good, life is good. Those are very popular teams, especially in this tri-state area. And it's just awesome to see that two division rivals are going to go at it. And hopefully we're going to have a uh, NFC Championship divisional rivalry too. That would be something to see. Um, for my takes on this one, Daniel Jones and Saquon might have played themselves into an extension. Unless they completely collapse against... Philly, I think Daniel Jones and Barkley are going to be here for the long haul in New York. And that's all thanks to Brian Dable. They had vanilla play calling with Joe Judge the last few seasons. But Dable came in, transformed the culture of this team, made a a practice squad offensive line look solid, and even more practice squad receivers. No one knew who Isaiah Hodgins was. And he came out with eight receptions and over 100 yards and a touchdown. And shout out to Darius Slayton, too. I I can't tell you how many Giants fans wanted this guy cut or traded after last year. And he comes in with four receptions and 88 yards. And even down the stretch of the year, he is their wide receiver two, even wide receiver one. He yeah. was, he's been really good for New York as a late. And I love the culture that the Giants are building. And that's all thanks to Brian Dable. He's, he should win coach of the year. He's going to, he's probably, he's going to be a top three, maybe top two candidate at least. But for Minnesota, you mentioned the defensive coordinator. Ed Donatell has actually been canned already. So I'm sure yeah. 
I'm sure Vikings fans are rejoiced there. Kirk Cousins had a very good game. I, the last throw, yeah, everyone is going to give him crap for that. But 31 of 39, 273 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Kirk did all he could. Yep. TJ Hawkinson went a, had an amazing game, too. 10 receptions, 130 yards. Dalvin Cook was contained on the ground and disappointing for me in particular. Justin Jefferson disappeared this game. He did. He was a bit of a My, ghost. New York locked him up. Seven receptions, 47 yards on nine targets. Um, My offensive player of the year still, but that's a regular season where Justin Jefferson did not show up this game. And the, and this was the biggest game of his life, and he just didn't um he just didn't show. And for Minnesota's defense or their whole team in general, this is this is gonna be a very interesting offseason for him because there are a bunch of names who a bunch of big names who I think are probably gonna go because Minnesota they're they're deep in salary cap hell right now. They're paying Kirk Cousins, they're paying Dalvin Cook, they're gonna have to pay TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson's gonna be up for an extension. So guys, veteran guys like Adam Thielen might be on his way out. Harrison Smith, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter. Mo- at least two of those guys are going to be gone as the result of cap casualties. And Minnesota's going to, they're going to be a weaker team next year. And Kirk Cousins isn't getting any younger. And I'm going to keep it real. Even though Kevin O'Connell is a rookie head coach, with the age of Kirk Cousins and the salary cap situation Minnesota's in, I wouldn't like, I feel like this may have been Minnesota's like year to win it. And they couldn't even get past the wild card. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me in the least because Minnesota has been like this ever since the sixties. It seems like they've never, they've always been the favorites, and they've never been able to make it quite to that big game yet, or yeah, even absolutely. past the wild card for that, um, for that matter. But Minnesota is going to have some quite. They're going to need to do some soul searching this offseason if they want to make it back because the Lions are on the come up in the NFC North. They could be the favorites to win that division next year. So Minnesota's going to have to keep toe-to-toe with them. But for now, New York, celebrate this victory. And coming from a Jets fan, kick Philly's ass. I think you can hey. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, last two, last two games of wildcard weekend. The Bengals and the Ravens, similar to the Bills and Dolphins. We thought this, was a, this one was going to be a blowout. But... Baltimore definitely had a chance to win this game. And Tyler, I just want to hear your thoughts on this one. The thing about Baltimore, what made it really interesting is, you know, early in the season, they were a team that played really good defense in the first half and then just sold a lot of games, a lot of games they let up. But this game, they kept that gas on for majority and that defense looked surprising. You kept Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow pretty contained. And Huntley was doing his thing for a little bit, you know, had a bad pick here and there. But he he looked great, and this game was so close, and I was I was thoroughly shocked. Like the Bills in Miami, like that game, I wasn't super I wasn't super in shock with it because with that obviously without Tua, like it's a big deal. But that Miami roster is still pretty well, you know, constructed. But the Ravens, I was counting them out. I was really counting them out. I thought this was definitely going to be somewhat of a blowout, but. The fact that they marched all the way down the field, Tyler Huntley goes for the QB sneak right over the line and fumbles it, and Sam Hubbard takes it for a 98-yard That was the one. Touchdown. I, I've never seen something like that. Like, I've seen the clips of Ed Reed picking it off in the end zone, taking it back for 100 yards, but it, this was different. Like, the Ravens marched down. Every Cincinnati, you know, fan, their buttholes clenched a little too tight. Like, they got worried and it was crazy that the Ravens were doing what they were doing. But the, all that momentum, all that stuff, all the Cincinnati fans holding their heads, covering their eyes, and covering their ears, that just came to a halt when, when Hubbard took that to the house. And that gave Cincinnati the momentum that they needed. And I don't know where Lamar is right now with his relationship with Baltimore. I don't know where he stands. I don't know where anybody stands, really. But I think Baltimore should be proud that they held a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, made improvements to their roster, and is probably the top four Super Bowl favorites making out of the AFC, that the defense and that team did what they did. And if they, if they had Lamar that game, I think they win that game. And not by oh, close, by, by, flying, by flying colors. Like, Bengals didn't show up until late. They needed a defensive touchdown to get their offense going and something going for them. And this game really shocked me because... 
right now, Baltimore, the chemistry is all over the place. And you have players lying to other players and players not, you know, showing up to OTAs or mandatory trainings or practices or, or health medicine things. And it shows that this Ravens team is good. It's just they need some sort of adhesive to keep that unit together. And if Lamar does leave, this is a team without a head. And I could see them blow it up. But if Lamar stays, this team is good. Like, th this showed that this team is good. Like, all the narratives created on the street, this team is good. And they just need to kind of keep it together and work on themselves just a little bit more. The thing is with me, I, I, don't, know if I, sh I don't know if I should be happy with Baltimore keeping, like, keeping this game close. Or mad at Cincinnati that they didn't win by more. Because I'm going to say this. The, the Ravens, without Lamar Jackson, I thought they were going to lose by at least by at least 20 points. Yeah. But because Lamar Jackson makes the engine go, especially against the Bengals. He has in um, eight games versus the Bengals, he has a passer, career passing of 90.6 with, with um, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and four picks against them. Against them. So he's he does pretty well against the Bengals. And when Lamar plays against Cincy, they usually win. And even players on the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins in particular, after the game, he said that if they had Lamar Jackson, they would have won this game. Now, I don't know if he was just saying that just to tip his hat to Lamar and how talented he is, or if maybe he was being a little, uh, I don't know if it was a little uh, side shot at Jackson because Jackson didn't even travel with the team for this game. And yeah. we we talked about this last week. We didn't. We have no idea if Lamar Jackson's actually like hurt. People say he's limping around the facility, but the coaches haven't heard any updates on the injuries about Jackson. We don't know he might be holding out. But for the Ravens, that right now it looks. I mean, Harbaugh's Jim John Harbaugh said that the plan is for Jackson to be the quarterback in twenty twenty three. I mean, he's not going to say no. He's a former MVP and a top yeah. eight quarterback in the league. Absolutely. Oh, when going with, but when talk, when the GM talked in the press conference the other day, he said it takes two to tango with a contract extension. So we'll have to see how these we're gonna have to see how these uh, talks work out with the the Ravens. But moving on to the Bengals side, a little disappointed. In them, not gonna lie. Yeah. Only winning by seven, and that's because of a fumble return on a QB sneak. Um. Joe Burrow was he was okay, um, twenty three of thirty two, oh, two hundred nine yards, one touchdown. So that's an alright stat line. Yeah, it man, very pedestrian. Jamar, Jamar Chase is able to get in the end zone. Uh, Joe Burrow had a rushing touchdown, and um, the defense is able to pick off Huntley once. But this is similar to the Bills. I'm a little, I was a little dis I'm disappointed in both these teams because they both should have won more handily. But I think previewing it next week to tomorrow's game or. Sunday's game, actually, that's when they play. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game and it's going to be a dogfight because both the Bills and the Bengals are both very good teams. And I think um, maybe it was just some off days for both of them. But this game shocked me, to say the least. It was entertaining to watch, especially in the second half with uh, the Hubbard touchdown. But since he was able to um, win over their division rivals who have seemingly bullied them for the past few years, not counting last year, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I just it's it's really interesting and it shows that these guys came to play regardless of what jersey that they wore, but these mistakes are not going to come lightly, especially going into these rounds, but I'll get to that shortly when we make our prediction for the divisional. Let's get on to the last game, Ben. The last I game. Know. Oh, I know you love this one. Tyler, why, why don't you start? Why don't you start going over this one? Listen. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan who lives in New Jersey. And as everybody know, the Giants play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And in the Tri-State area, one of the most dominant fan bases is the New York Giants. So I hear about it when I go to the barbershop. Hey, Ty, Tom Brady's going to nail you guys tonight. I go to my suite. Hey, the Cowboys are going to lose tonight. You know, I go everywhere I go. I just see a sea of blue saying, hey, Dallas stinks. Well, you know what? Dallas doesn't stink. Let's be real. I had Dallas winning this game, and I had it handily. winning handily, but I was surprised to see the, the trend of this game. It started off back-to-back -back punts, you know, whatever, and it started off really slow, and that got me worried. But then Kellen Moore and Dak kind of locked in. They got serious, and Dak had one of the best you know, career games he's had in a minute. And he was just perfect, hitting Dalton Schultz for two touchdowns, hitting CD, just dispersing. And that, you know, fourth and goal play where he rolled out like Peyton Manning did to Dallas way back when he was on Denver. Dallas 
looked so, so good. And another character looked so, so bad. Tom Brady. I have never seen Tom look this bad. Like, ever. Which, credit to his career and all his play, but like he looked off. Overthrown, underthrown, picked off by J-Ron cursing the end zone because he wanted to get rid of it. Um, like, sure, you can blame oh, Mike Evans dropped that touchdown, whatever, but Dallas's game plan coming into this game, if you watched, we hit people hard. You saw Godwin get hit a lot, come out for, you know, less snaps. You saw guys just getting roughed up. Micah Parsons getting in there, creating that pressure. Our game plan was to rough some feathers up because the Buccaneers roster isn't the healthiest and they were all coming off something. Ryan Jensen, the center, having the first game of his season coming off the his tear and Godwin coming off injury, all these guys coming off injury. We came to play physical football and it worked they because we... The mouth. Yeah, yeah, it worked because we fatigued them incredibly, like, much more faster than we would have playing safe. And that worked in our favor. And Tom Brady wasn't there. He wasn't connecting well with Mike Evans. You know, Tom Brady wanted the out route. Mike ran the in route. Like, they were just so off. And it shows that the OC just got canned, too. But they weren't on the same page in, in Tampa Bay that they were when they won the Super Bowl. I think Bruce Arians was a great adhesive for that team. And the thing about it is um, Buccaneers are going to look very, very different this coming up offseason. It's going to look very strange, and they can blow it up. And they have a lot of talent which, if dispersed right in the league, can change a lot of teams' outcomes, right? But um, I expected this from Dallas. We're a good team. It's just we're, we're inconsistent at times. And I was not going to be happy with my team losing to a team with a losing record for the season that made the playoffs. Guys in our division have a better record and didn't make it. Shout out the Commanders. And the Lions and all those other guys. Like, there's better teams. And I do think we face the weakest team um out of them all like uh regarding the playoffs like the weakest opponent but now coming up we probably have the best opponent so it's going to be a change of pace but if this kind of momentum you know leaks into the 49ers game and Dak has a similar outing I can see this game go either way and if Dallas beats the 49ers um I can't wait for everybody to shut up about Dak yeah, yeah, we, we we don't know what's going to happen because Dallas has their their grapes too, you know. I love Kellen Moore and he had a masterclass chess performance on on this game, but this is a Buccaneer squad that their, you know, their DC used to be Todd Bowles and now he has the head coaching gig and their current DC is not very good. Now you're going against the best defense in football. What do you have to bring Kellen Moore? Ke- Kellen Moore gets gimmicky sometimes and sometimes his plays are questionable and that's really going to be put to the test this coming Sunday. Because this is the best def- defense in football. You know, like, it's it's crazy to think that these guys do not have a false note anywhere. So any mistakes that Dak made or the defense makes or overthrown, underthrown, or drop passes, 49ers not only will capitalize on it, but score off those turnovers. And we can't have that. So I need a similar outing from Dak and the rest of the offense and the defense. Shout out to Micah Parsons and Armstrong and all those guys. Crazy too. Leighton Vanderesh coming in and doing his thing, disrupting passes. We did a good job, and we have to maintain that same energy going into San Fran. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Tampa Bay side. As a Jets fan, it made me so happy to see Tom Brady get his ass handed him in the playoffs. Sixty six passing attempts for a forty five year old quarterback. That's I know insane. they were down by a lot the whole game, but that's only four passing attempts less than the most in history. Ironically, by Tom Brady's um predecessor, uh, Drew Bledsoe. But he just looked terrible. This is the worst I've seen Brady since his last year in New England. And this shows that he's cooked. I Like, the rumor rumors aside, Tom Brady to San Francisco, Tom Brady to the Raiders. I think he's just got to retire. It's, this game just showed that he's not that guy anymore. He's, he's old. He's slow. He doesn't look as good as he used to. You know what's interesting, Ben? Sorry to interrupt, Ben. What I found interesting about that game is when they were in the huddle and the OC was taking charge, they were outclassed. But the minute towards the end of the game when they had no hope and they went no huddle, Tom Brady actually looked good. That was the weird thing about it. I feel like Brady is very good under pressure. We've seen that her whole career. He has countless fourth-quarter drives where he's had to run the two-minute drill, and he does that to perfection. So when they hurry up, keeps the defense on their toes. So yeah, he he's good at capitalizing on the defense not getting set and creating a formation. But it showed that like if his OC and him are not on the same page, it's not going to work. You know, and at the end of the day, if I have to run a play 
and I'm the OC and Tom Brady's my quarterback, nine times out of 10, I'll probably listen to what Tom has to say. Similar to like LeBron, you know, if like if you LeBron's on my team, it's LeBron's team. I don't care what kind of coach you are. But like the no huddle kind of just showed like a play style that Tom Brady really excels at. But he has to be on a team that can agree with him because if him and his OC are at odds, which they were in this most recent playoff outing with Tampa, they're not going to win anything. And uh, I do think he's getting towards the wash side. But then again, like you said, Ben, this is the worst game since 2019 when he left New England. Guess what happened? He went to another team and won a Super Bowl with them. So we don't, we're never going to count Tom Brady out unless that guy is dead or truly retired. But yes, he looked very, very bad this outing. And I'm fine with that. He was horrible. And again, for Tampa Bay, this is just the difference between um, having Bruce Sanders as your head coach and having Todd Bowles as a head coach. And Ben, you would know Todd Bowles as a head coach. Oh, oh I know Todd Bowles as a head coach very yeah. well, very much, Tyler. Um, Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator, one of the best in football when he's a DC. Yeah. Guy can't coach. There are coaches who are meant to be coordinators, and there are coaches who are meant to be coaches. Todd Bowles is meant to be a coordinator, and... I thought they could have hired another. I thought they could have hired a vet last year when um, Arians retired, but it made sense. Tampa Bay had an elite defense, and Todd Bowles already coached in the past. Granted, it wasn't the greatest gig, but they trusted him. But Tampa Bay was bad, and injuries was a big part of that. And I think there's going to be a lot of shakeup in uh, Tampa Bay. Obviously, in the um, not the front office, the the coaching staff and. Definitely with the roster, too, with Tom Brady uh, hitting free agency once again. But moving on to Dallas, it's made me happy. I have a soft spot for Dallas. One of my, um, I'm obviously a Jets fan, but Dallas is one of my favorite teams to watch growing up. Love watching Tony Romo, DeMarco Appreciate Murray, it, man. Appreciate it. This was a Dak Prescott legacy game. Yeah. You said, you said it last week. Dak Prescott probably is facing the most pressure out of the younger quarterbacks in the playoffs, or maybe all the quarterbacks in the playoffs, because yeah. – He's he's a good quarterback. No one's going to deny that, but he turned the ball over a lot this year. And the big thing with, that was setting that was um separating Dak from good to great quarterback was playoff performance. He's only one in three in the playoffs um in his career, but this game on the road going up against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and having this game, 25 of 33 passing, 305 passing yards, four touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. This was that. This has to be the best game of his career, and he did it in the biggest moment of his life. He showed up when called upon, and this and Dallas is scary when Dak Prescott plays this good. Absolutely. And and everyone everyone gave him help on this team. Dalton Schultz showed up with almost a hundred yards and two touchdowns. CD caught a touchdown. Michael Gallup had a touchdown. Um, Tony Pollard ran hard, and Dallas's defense they they. Came to play. Um, they capitalized on a Tom Brady fumble. You say Jaron Curse picked off Tom Brady once. They were able to get to Tom Brady, and Dallas. They probably played the best game out of anyone in this wild card. They absolutely stuck it to Tampa Bay, and I know I know the Niners. They're one of the best. Te- they're obviously going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. I would be scared if I was them. If Dak Prescott's clicking on all cylinders, the Cowboys are one of the best teams. They already are one of the best teams of football, but they are indeed a top tier team in football when Dak Prescott's on his game. And I'm so excited for this game Sunday evening. Absolutely. And I think this is a perfect time to transition into this game. We can kind of work in a snake kind of reverse because I really want to talk about Dallas and the 49ers here. Um, The thing about Dak Prescott is I love him. I love my quarterback. That's my guy. And I do agree with you, Ben, that he receives the most pressure at any quarterback because of the star on his helmet. You know, Dallas has this legacy of constantly winning, the 90s being their time, and basically having one of the richer histories in all of football and all of major sports and being the most valuable franchise on earth. He's going to get a lot of flack and a lot of pressure because he has the star on his helmet. That's that's a position in football. It, there, there's two really stressful positions in all of sports, Yankee shortstop and Cowboys quarterback. Those two positions in all sports are the most stressful because those are the most eyes looking at you because that that position is filled with so many good players. And, you know, when when Dak is playing good like that, we are an unbeatable team. We saw it against Minnesota when we beat them by 37 points. You know, we saw it against Philly's defense when he had lit them up, even though they had Gardner Minshew granted. But against their defense, their defense was fully healthy, and he dotted them up. The thing about this game is the turnover thing is going to be an issue. But if he just doesn't turn the ball over, this is going to be a close game. Because the thing about this team and every team in the divisional round, if you make mistakes, 
the other team will capitalize. The Jaguars cannot throw another four picks and expect to win against the Chiefs. That's not happening. Because when the Chiefs get the ball, they score the ball. Same thing with the Bills and the Bengals and the Eagles and the Giants. If they turn the ball over, expect to go down by seven points. Because when you turn it over, these teams will score. These, this isn't the Chargers. This isn't the Ravens, the Miami. These are the best teams in the NFL. That's why they're here. Now, the 49ers game is going to be really interesting because this is a repeat of last year. You know, we all saw what happened that last drive. Dak went, you know, Dak, you know, scrambled out, whatever, five seconds left. He wanted to spike the ball, ref hit him, boom, boom, game over. There is a lot of people on both sides of the ball here, both teams that have something to prove. Brock Purdy's going to prove that he's the guy. This isn't just a sham. Dak Prescott's going to prove that he's the guy. I'm the guy, number four. Dallas in general, Mike McCarthy has to prove that he's a comparable coach, not kind of just a sick circumstantial winner. A lot of people have a lot to prove, and this is the game I'm looking forward to the most. Not only as a Dallas Cowboys fan, because, you know, God, I love the Cowboys, but this is a game that really excites me because it's two teams that, when they're at their best potential, I think they, they're, they're the best. And I think whoever comes out of this round is winning the Super Bowl. Really? I, this, I said it here now. I see. I said it here now because... If the Cowboys beat the 49ers, there is not another person they're going to encounter that are better than the 49ers. And if the 49ers win, there is no team hotter than them. And that could just light, you know, distinguish their flame. And I'm, I know saying it, it's kind of ridiculous. But whoever wins this game, I think is going to win the Super Bowl or at least make the Super Bowl and keep it close to whoever comes at the AFC. Now, Tyler, without any bias, give me a score prediction for this game because... You said who wins this game is going to win the Super Bowl. I want to see who you think is going to go all the way. It's going to be 28-21. I don't know who it's going to be. I think both quarterbacks are going to throw a pick. I think there's going to be a fumble in there. There's going to be some, there's going to be some mistakes because it's going to be the highest pressure game, the most expensive tickets out of all these playoffs. San Fran's a hard venue to play at, but I think it's going to keep it in the 20s, 28-21. to 21. And the team that won by 28 marches down the field to win. Like, it's like the last-minute touchdown to win the game. Um, I think Brett is going to go perfect from the from the kicking perspective. I know I kind of miss talking about that against the Buccaneers. But Brett Maher is one of the best kickers in the league. Um, he had a terrible game, mind you. Like, you shouldn't be missing that Lord extra points. Terrible. But I trust him going forward. This is one of, those, one of those bad games that everybody has. Everybody has a bad game. But... If he starts to miss again, he might have the case of the yips, and we already have a, a backup kicker in line from the Patriots practice squad, which I'm, fi I'm fine with. But I think that this is going to be an absolute duking. You're going to see the hardest hits in, the, in this round. You're going to see the, the, the craziest of catches because this means something for both teams. The Cowboys haven't had any Super Bowl or any major playoffs except since the 90s, and the 49ers have always been there but never tipped the horse, if you know what I mean. But these two teams, whoever wins, that momentum from that win is going to carry them all the way. For me, this is this is going to be my this is my game of the division. I think this could be the most exciting. I think a lot of people back a lot of people who watch the NFL are going to agree just because the history of these franchises. You know, these are these aren't just like rivals of now or like last year. These, this is a forty year. This is a four decade long rivalry. Ever going back since the eighties, going back since the Joe Montana and the Troy Aikman days. Um, this is gonna this is gonna be a dogfight of a match, and it's two great defenses and two great offenses. There's really no holes for this team for either yeah, of these teams. Absolutely, it's just a matter of who can keep the turnovers the lowest. Because Dak Prescott, as we know, led the league in interceptions last year. Didn't do that not last year, this year. Didn't do that against Tampa Bay, but this is a whole different animal in San Fran. Yes. Brock Purdy played a perfect game against Seattle. Great to see how was a terrible defense and he hasn't played a defense like dallas yet so him the cinderella story the mr irrelevant to getting noticed by lebron james in the playoffs can he keep can he keep this um hot streak going we'll see can, is he gonna blow up under pressure we'll have to see but for me you're gonna like this one i have dallas winning this one 30 to 27 brett maher redeems himself oh ben if that were to happen I'll take you out to dinner. It's on me. Because I, I love that. I love that from you. And it would make sense. I, 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 that would make sense. I, and I personally would love that. Um, but these are two teams when they're hot. 
you can't stop them. Like they they are very very good. Cowboys get more inconsistent than the 49ers, but still like this is going to be a team of two prove it teams. You have a lot of narratives at play and I I just can't wait. Like I'm itching at the seams for this, but let's move on. I'm so excited. All right, we're going to go uh backwards in order. So the the game before this one, we're going to have we had the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Another game which I think could compare to the Dallas um San Francisco game because these are these are um I think these are two teams that could definitely take down the Chiefs. I mean, they both did it. They both did it in the regular season. And it's in my opinion, it's the second best and the third best quarterback in the league going up against each other. Joe Shiesty versus Josh Allen. Tyler, give me your thoughts on this one. Obviously, this is going to be quite the interesting game because the last time these teams were to meet, DeMar Hamlin went down with the crazy injury. You know, God bless that he's back up on his feet and doing well. But this game is going to be very, very scary because they truly don't know the potential of either team because their game was cut short. And this is a team that both teams have a a lot of narratives at play, too. Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, Joe Burrow being the most sacked quarterback back then and made it to the Super Bowl and almost won it, came down to the last drive at which he was sacked and threw it to Perrine, and Aaron Donald captured his first range out to that. But you also have the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen proving that he's the guy and probably trying to take Buffalo to their first ever Super Bowl because they've never won one. Hell, they went to the, in the 90s. They went a bunch of times, but guess who they kept running into? Dallas, baby. But anyway, they these a lot of prove-it things. Sean McDermott trying to prove that he's a comparable coach. He's not just gifted a good roster. Cincinnati trying to keep it together. Their defense getting better. Joe Burrow wanted to go back-to-back. But it's just, it's going to be a really, really tough game because both are coming off of a, oh my God, like we look so bad game. We have to do better. So you're going to get a very polished Bengals squad and a very polished Bills squad because they let those prior games get to them. And these are teams that like do great after a loss, do great after close games, do great after games filled with mistakes and errors and trials and tribulations. And you're going to see the best football played this weekend from these two teams because they are so hungry. Like it's going to look, it's going to be a very, very exciting game. And I have this game being the closest game. Like, it, this game's going to go into OT because Josh Allen's infamous for that. But I think this game goes into OT, and it's going to push into the 30s, and I think the Bills are going to sweep it out, and they're going to meet the Chiefs in their AFC championship round. So for this one, this I've been looking for. I've wanted these teams to play to meet the, me in the playoffs since probably the beginning of the season. I This... It's just so fun watching Burrow and Allen play. They're just Absolutely. they're they're alien quarterbacks. They're just so good. Both rosters are so talented. You got so many battles. You got quarterback battle. You got Burrow versus Allen. You got uh the receipt. You got the receiver battle. You got a uh, yeah Chase and uh, Higgins versus uh Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. And obviously emotions are going to be high for this game with Demar with the whole Demar Hamlin situation. We we um we're glad that he's all good and he's back with the team. Absolutely. So Buffalo, they're gonna come out. They're gonna come out with hungry and they're gonna come out emotional for their teammate. Ultimately, I don't think that's gonna be enough. I think Cincinnati takes this one on the road. I feel like Josh Allen has played some reckless football in the last few weeks. He's been turning the ball over a little bit. I think a costly turnover late in the game decides this game, and I think Cincinnati wins this one. 28 to 24 and move on to have a rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Ooh la la. I like that, Ben. I really like that. They can go either way. This this Both. game really is a toss-up. And I think you made a valid, valid point that I didn't touch on. Great stuff, Ben. Josh Allen has been playing very reckless football. And not like Miami, the Bengals will capitalize on that, especially after their very close game against the Ravens. And I wouldn't want to give Joe, Joe Burrow the ball at all, let alone probably in my territory after an interception. So that's a great point, Ben, but it's really the biggest toss-up game in this divisional round, I think. Yeah, this is I'm excited I'm excited for this one. This is this is going to be exciting. This is two elite offenses really just going at it and uh I I can't wait for this. Absolutely. Um, so moving on tomorrow night's game, you're a lot. I know New York's going to be popping tomorrow, either in a great way or in a bad way after this one, giants and Philly divisional 
rivals in the divisional round. First time meeting in the playoffs since 2008. They have they're two and two against each other in the playoffs. For the Giants, this is gonna this is obviously their biggest test yet. This is the best regular season team in the NFL going on the road in a hostile environment in Philly, not just a loud environment, but a hostile one. This give me there's probably gonna be a lot of um a lot of words thrown around, not just between the fans, but the players too. This is gonna be a very mean game. I think this is I think this is gonna be somewhat of a I think it's gonna be a very run heavy game. You know, Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones are both mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. But they can make the passes when needed. And I think the ground game is really gonna dictate this game. I feel like both teams are gonna hone in to stop the run. Philly's gonna try to make Daniel Jones um throw deep. And I feel like uh I feel like um the Giants um might do the same or probably gonna do the same with Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts has ran for over seven hundred fifty yards and thirteen touchdowns this year. And not just um not just him, there's a lot of, there's other guys in the backfield they have to worry about. Um Miles Sanders has had his best year of his career. Boston Scott, known as a giant killer, he's he always plays well against them. But even if the even if um Philly's run game gets shut down, Adrian Brown and Devontae Smith are both thousand yard receivers. And Dallas Garter is one of the most reliable tight ends in the league. So I think it's I think it's just gonna be really hard for um New York to contain that. And Giants fans, it's been a beautiful run for you guys. Truly truly one of the best stories in the NFL this season. I think the Cinderella run ends to ends um tomorrow. I think that um the Eagles win by a score of uh thirty to seventeen. I think um a late touch, a touchdown, um, midway through the fourth, that puts Philly up two scores. I think that puts the the game away for good. That's a great, great take, Ben. I absolutely love it, and mine's going to be very, very similar. The thing about the Giants right now is obviously they're they're young, they're hip. I compare them to the Memphis Grizzlies uh, almost, where they're they're very young, they're very talented, but I think the inexperience is going to hold true. The Vikings, I think, had the worst defense entering this playoffs. And now the Giants are going to be up against a top three defense in this playoffs. It's going to be a very, very big change of pace. Um, the Eagles are masterclass. They don't have a false note anywhere. And I think them and the 49ers are like neck and neck for defense. And the thing about them is I think they are going to run the ball. I think the the the, the airtime of some of these passes are going to be short, quick. They're, they're not going to keep it lingering because it's going to be quite of a, a, a crazy game. But I do think... Uh, the Eagles are going to keep receipts on Daniel Jones because a lot of Daniel Jones's runs are spontaneous. They're never designed for him, right? So I think the Eagles are going to come out with some sort of spy or something, and they're going to try to keep him in that pocket as long as possible because when he's in the pocket, those mistakes are made and those passes are a little stressful. And, bro, the Eagles' pressure is insane, and they have probably the best run defense in the NFL, having Jordan Davis there and Brandon Graham and that insane defensive line. Can Saquon go up against them and have a good game? And there's a lot of narratives at play. The Giants are 6-0 and against number one seeds in the playoffs. But also, the last 12 times the Giants played against the Eagles at Eagles Field, they're 0-12. Like, the Giants just can't win in Philadelphia. There's a lot of things at play, obviously. But this Eagles team, I think, is just too strong. You know, oh my gosh, you have two games against them this season. But this team is just too, too strong. And they're coming off the bye week. So they're well-rested. They're ready to go. They're ready to sling it. Their game plan has been sitting and cooking in the oven, ready to get popped out and put some salt on it. This Eagles team is just too, too good. And I think the scoreline would probably be around 30 to 14. I don't think they land a field goal on them with Graham Cano. But um, I think this is an absolute win for the Giants, though, this whole season. And it shows that they have a very, very bright future if they play their cards right. But this Eagles team is too strong, and this Eagles team is going to verse whoever comes out of that Cowboys and 49ers game, and it's going to be an absolute shootout on the NFC side. Yeah, Phil, Philly, it just comes down to the better roster overall, and Brian Dable has done a beautiful job with this roster that most people expected to win four to five games. And they and taking them to the divisional round is a, is a very is a great accomplishment for him. But Philly... They just have one of the best rosters on paper. Hell, they got four guys who have over ten sacks this year, and Same. against a, a less than um, a less than good Giants offensive line, I think that's really going to be the story of this game. I think Daniel. I think the run game will be shut down a little early for for the Giants to allow to pass them. I think that's where they'll get into trouble. Yeah. So I think I think 
Whether it's either of our scores that are right, I think Philly's going to win this one by double digits. Yeah, the thing about this Philadelphia team is this is the team that has the most sacks in the league, um, most combined interceptions, I believe. And you're coming off a team with barely any sacks, barely interceptions, to a team that leads the league in a lot of defensive categories. Daniel Jones is going to get hit this game, and he's going to he's going to throw a pick, and I think there's going to be a fumble too. Like this Eagles team is just gritty and dirty, and I and I love them. I I love this play style that they're having, and this team is super strong, and they have a very bright future because they also have a top ten pick two coming up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the way Philadelphia handled their recent history and their future is going to be awesome. And this team's going to be something to fear as long as Jalen Hurts plays quarterback and that team moves forward. Yeah, this. Feel it. They're just, they're so good. Yeah, they're, uh, they're good. Yeah, they're great. The last game of the divisional round, I, I similar to the Giants and the Eagles, the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs, young quarterback, well, young quarterback Trevor Lawrence going up against, I guess, old man in the playoffs we're talking right now, Patrick Mahomes. He's actually the, he's the second oldest quarterback left in the playoffs at only 27 years old. I feel like for this game, It's going to be so tough for Jacksonville to win in Kansas City. I'm going to keep it honest with everyone. Mm. The Chiefs are just so good. Even everyone thought without Tyreek Kill, they were going to take a step back. And with the whole AFC West game better. The AFC West probably spent a half a billion dollars, and they're still owned by the Chiefs. That's how good this team is. That's how good Patrick Mahomes is. That's how good Travis Kelsey is. And that's how good Andy Reid is. And playing at Arrowhead, it's... Might be the hardest place to play come playoffs. It's the loudest. It's the loudest for sure, man. Loudest stadium. And I feel like there's not a lot. There's like no, almost no teams that can be Kansas City at Arrowhead. Of course, if, unless you're talking about the Bengals of last year. Yes. But Jacksonville is not that team yet. Um, you know, they're comparable. Second year quarterback. Um, Lawrence and Joe Burrow were both in their second years at this point. At that point. But I think I don't think Jacksonville has that the same amount of talent to keep up with Kansas City, and I feel like Trevor Lawrence he can't have four picks again. I don't think he will. But even if he has one, Ben, or against the Chiefs, I think the only way Jacksonville wins this game is the. Lord the case. I think Kansas City is going to win this one 33 to 17. I think I think it will be close in the first half, but Kansas City is going to be, you know, like the Warriors. They're going to have their third quarter onslaught, and that eventually seals Jacksonville's fate. But similar to the Giants, shout out to them for the season they've had. Future is very bright in Duval. Absolutely. Uh, you cut out a couple of times in there. I missed some of the take, but I'm sure it was absolutely wonderful. I just think that the Jaguars are in a similar situation as uh, as um the giants they were kind of thrust into dealing with the one seed here and their fates are going to be very very similar you're just you're just coming off of guys that are have a bye week are healthy and happy and are going into their thing and they're the some of the best teams in football and the chiefs aren't the chargers like you can't make any mistakes against them and they will they will make you pay so i see the chiefs handily handing them an absolute fat you know, fat L. And I think this score line is going to be 40 to seven. You heard me right, Ben, 40 to seven. I think the chiefs has come out with an absolute onslaught, but I think it's a little too much momentum going into the uh, AFC championship round because whoever team comes out of the other side, um, it's going to be an absolute dogfight. But I think the chiefs give them the Jaguars are good whooping, but like the Giants and the ball, I think Peterson should see this as an absolute win making it this far. And it's a very, very bright future for Duval County and Jacksonville. Yeah, and they and they deserve this. They've been the punching bag of the NFL ever since um ever since that that old squad back in the nineties with Mark Brunell and Jimmy Smith and Tony Baselli and and um Fred Taylor. Ever since that era ended, they've just been the team. Everyone forgets. You know when you take a quiz on Sporkle and you take the NFL team's quiz, and there's always that one team that you forget. Yeah. Seems like it's always Jacksonville. That's <laughs> all. Um, um, except besides their 2017 uh, run to the ASU Championship, that's just been the case for Jacksonville. But I think the culture is changing. I'm surprised they're doing it with Shahid Khan and Trent Baalke running the show. But it just comes to show that coaching means a lot in the NFL. And Jacksonville is going to get Calvin Ridley next year. So they should be even more dangerous. Mm-hmm.
Absolutely. I I just think that it's I think it's officially time. This is this is the new era of football, Ben. You know, um the oldest quarterback in the entire playoffs is Dak Prescott at twenty nine and right behind him is, you know, Patrick Mahomes at twenty seven. This is the new era. This is this is what football is gonna look like for the next you know, five to ten years. This this is the new era. You know, what we watched growing up is gonna is 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 no longer here. You know, this is a this is a different era. I'm excited because this era looks very promising. It's gonna look very exciting. It's gonna be very high scoring, but there's also gonna be some really good defensive notes. And this is gonna be one of the most at least in my opinion, one of the most anticipated Super Bowls because any of these teams facing this upcoming weekend could very win it all. Like I like I have my favorites, I have my biases and I have my guys who I think are gonna just plummet, but I would not be totally surprised if a anybody could make it and b those persons could win because these are just this is these are the best teams in football and um, going forward every team in this divisional round is going to be dominating the next ten years of football. Oh, they will. This is this is a very it's a very um, bright spot for the NFL with just the ages of these quarterbacks. You know, we no more uh, no more Brady and Rodgers and. Peyton Manning's in the in the playoffs, the, the old guys. This is a new era of football, young, fun, hip, high scoring football, yeah. and I'm all and I'm all here for it. But Absolutely. we're we're really getting old. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's gonna be very very interesting, and and I think this off season is gonna create a lot of powerhouses too. You know, rumor has it Aaron Rodgers looking in New York, Ben looking to be in Green. I don't know. The next great number twelve in New York. I mean. I'll, all for Broadway Joe giving up that number 12 to Aaron Rodgers, but obviously that's all speculation as of now, but anything could change. The NFL offseason is full of surprises. Absolutely, but it's been an absolute pleasure as always, Ben, spending this Friday evening with you talking about things we love, whether that be sports or anything else, but it's been awesome, Ben. Thank you again. Alright, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Ben Kuchapudi. And I'm Todd the Iceman Graham. Catch you next Friday. Next Friday at at um 7:45 we'll see you next time